Let us pray. Loving God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will strengthen us to be devoted to the teachings of your word, that through it we may hear your voice and follow it into eternal life. Amen. Now I ask you, if, you, if your Bible's handy, to pick it up and follow along with me as we read our Old Testament and New Testament. Our Old Testament will be from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark inequities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope is in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its inequities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added their number those who were being saved. As I've told you before, and many of you probably know about me, I grew up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which when I was there was just a small college town. Not far from there, about 20 miles to the west of Fayetteville, is a small little village called Prairie Grove. Prairie Grove is where my mom's family is from. I spent most of my summers there on that farm with my grandparents, my many aunts and uncles, cousins, and assorted relatives that just seemed to drift in and out of the family home. That farm was homesteaded in the mid-1800s by my great-great-grandfather, William Wilson. In fact, he built his home, the house that he called Excelsior, about the same time that this sanctuary was built. That house still stands today. And that farm is still operated by a member of my family. It has been passed down from one generation to the next. I love that farm. In my mind's eye, I know every stand of trees 
I could walk you straight to the freshwater spring that never seemed to run dry. I know the fence rows, the rock piles, the family cemetery. Of course, all the many barns and outbuildings that I played in as a child, and of course, the big house, as we call it. That farm for me is a sacred space. It's a place full of memories of people that are present in my life and people that maybe have moved on to a more heavenly realm. It's a place where I've laughed till my sides hurt, where I've worked till my hands ached and my back ached, a place where I've had many a deep theological conversation with a fishing pole in my hand. It's a place where I can easily and quickly feel the presence of God. Even now telling you about it, even though I'm physically separated from it, I can feel my body relax, my pulse slow down a bit. I sense that small piece of the sacred world that is forever locked in my heart. I'm sure you have those same feelings for your own sacred places For many of you, it might even be this sanctuary that I have the privilege and the honor to be in today. For now, we can't be together physically, but I'm sure you can use your imagination to picture this special place, just like I asked the children to do. Spend a few moments imagining your friends' faces, these hard yet comfortable pews, the beautiful music that you hear in the air, and the inspirational words that you hear from this pulpit. This is a challenging time where we find ourselves physically separated from many things and spaces that are important to us. In our scripture reading today, Luke takes us back to the early church He gives us a brief but important view of a sacred space, a space that isn't defined by walls or a roof or doorways or anything that can be really humanly measured, but it is a sacred space defined by its activity. In verse 42, Luke says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So let's take that moment and unpack those uh, four activities, what some might call the, the true marks of the church. First, they said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The Greek word that we translate there, devoted, is proskaterel, and it means to adhere to, to be an adherent, to be steadfast, attentive to, to give unremitting care for to give unremitting care for the apostles' teachings. Now, this shouldn't be too hard for us Presbyterians where the apostles' teachings or the Bible is the central locale of our faith. In our Scottish tradition, the Bible was actually carried each Sunday morning into the church by a church officer called the Beadle, and it was placed on a central pulpit, just like this pulpit is central in this sanctuary as a reminder of the centrality of God's word to our life. 
The apostles' teaching needs to be central to our lives. But unfortunately for many, they only encounter the Word of God when it is read or spoken in worship on Sunday morning or in Sunday school. I want to challenge each of you in this difficult time of physical separation to make the Word of God central to your life. Devote yourself and your family to its teachings. The second thing that Luke said of the first church was they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now this may be kind of difficult in our current situation, but it's not impossible. It takes courage and imagination to invite someone into fellowship. Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church is offering several ways to show and experience the fellowship of Christ's family, even in a quarantine. You can take part in our church's sponsored online experience called Connected Through Faith. You'll find it on our website. You could light a battery-operated candle and put it in your window tonight and on every Sunday evening as long as this goes on to show your neighbors that you have hope in Christ. Take part in many of the social media-generated experiences such as a teddy bear hunt or put homemade paper hearts up in your windows. And last but not least, don't forget our friends at East Cooper Community Outreach over on Six Mile Road. They're doing what they can to keep food on the table of the most vulnerable people in our community. Let's help them do that if we can. The third thing was they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. In our Reformed tradition, nothing marks us as a church as the way we gather for communion. Now, we may use wafers or real bread or gluten-free or not, but what we receive represents the body of Christ, broken and given for us. The blood of Christ, whether it is in a small plastic cup or a silver chalice or an earthen vessel, It is given to wash away our sins. This sacrament is central to who we are as believers. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to stand here one day and hear from this table before me the gifts of God for the people of God. And lastly, they devoted themselves to the prayers More than anything we do as Christians, prayer is our opportunity to talk and listen to God personally. We can assume by the plural use, the prayers, even at this early stage of the church, there were specific prayers to be learned and to teach others. Today, there are many ways that we can engage and share in prayers. Make sure that your day involves prayer time. On many levels, we need prayers every day. But in times like these, we not only need to pray, others need to hear us pray. Rabbi Edwin Friedman, a scholar and author in pastoral care and congregational life, once told this story of his own understanding on what it meant to be part of a sacred community. A family therapist and ordained rabbi, Dr. Friedman was well known in the fields of mental health and pastoral counseling. 
He was also the founding rabbi of a synagogue in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Friedman said there became a time in his life when the two parts of his life began to pull at each other, one as an author and researcher and one as the leader of a congregation, and he felt like he had to give one away. He had been the rabbi for that congregation for 15 years, and he felt it was best for him to step down and allow new leadership to take over that congregation. He also felt the calling in his life to teach more and write more. Now, he knew this would be a difficult step to take, to step away from a group of people that he had truly grown to love. And so he spent many months working out in his own mind the best way to announce his retirement. He decided to wait till there was a special gathering of the congregation when he knew the most people would be there. He had been worried that people would be angry and upset with him about his departure. But after he made it known his plans, most people greeted him with heartfelt compassion on how he handled the situation. But there was one person that stood out in Friedman's mind. They had fought bitterly over most issues within the congregation. Friedman felt that this person would be the one person that would be overjoyed with his departure. A few days after the announcement, he received a letter in the mail from, whom he, from a person he called his bitterest enemy. To Friedman's surprise, that letter was very kind and respectful and reflected a deep loss that the writer felt for the rabbi's departure. The revelation that Rabbi Friedman got that day was that his bitterest enemy loved that congregation just as much as he did. They just loved it differently. So we may look at Scripture differently. We may enjoy fellowship differently. We may prefer different types of bread or juices in communion. And we may pray in different languages or spaces. But our most important mark of the church is for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart with all of our soul and with all of our strength and with all of our mind and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Where this activity takes place doesn't have to be bound by an address or a physical structure, but bound in love that surpasses all understanding. For now, we are called to practice that love in many separate places. But one day we will be together again in this space. And what a glorious day that will be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.